Well, good morning, church. Chris Pate here, very excited about the fact that we get to share with um, you and all of our staff. I hope you're encouraged hearing a little bit about what we're doing and our unity and trying to communicate and navigate kind of this, as everybody's saying, unprecedented time. Um, for us, we started last week a message called Fearless, really with two thoughts, being people in the midst of bad news, like Psalm 121, that aren't afraid of bad news and we're fearless, but also really encouraging people to fear less. Because it's not always encouraging just to tell people to stop fearing, but to actually offer hope as to why we should not fear. As I was studying and reading some, I was um, really amazed by C.S. Lewis's words written so many years ago that I want to share with you. I posted it on social media, but really want to share with you right now those words that he gave. And I want you to substitute um, when he says atomic era or atomic bomb with coronavirus or just virus in general. And he says this, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when the raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, and an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go on about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. And he ends by saying this, this is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb or coronavirus, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds, C.S. Lewis. And I was thinking about the concept of fear, and I wrote a spoken word about that and how it does dominate our mind and kind of get us into worry and anxiety. And I believe as Christians, because we have a greater hope and again, not a storm-free life, but a storm-proof life in Jesus, we can actually approach these things fearless and fearing less, as C.S. Lewis 
so eloquently told us many, many decades ago. What a great reminder to go about life somewhat normal. Now, with this coronavirus, we have been encouraging people to, at least for the next couple of weeks, stay where you are and, and separate socially just for a little bit. This isn't operating in fear. Um, this is actually operating in love and great wisdom. In fact, as I was thinking about this concept and kind of the spectrum of wisdom and love, we as a church always want to be, as Ecclesiastes says, says, grab on, reach out for the one, but don't let go of the other. And it says this, the man who fears the Lord avoids all extremes. So we don't want to go into extreme panic. We don't want to also go into extreme carefree life. But we've got to navigate how we go about with our different convictions. In Romans chapter 14, Paul is addressing the church in Rome and two different types of people that are racially, racially different. You've got Christian Jews or Jewish the people that have converted to Christianity and you have Greek pagans that have converted to Christianity and they're trying to figure out how to live together in the midst of all of these kind of new things happening, how to flesh out the gospel in their current reality. And he writes to them and says this, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And he continues, verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not done from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And he continues just a couple more verses. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And isn't that exactly what Jesus has done for us? When it comes to quarreling and kind of finding like, what should we do in this time? Some, some people might come in and say, well, you know, we, need to, we do need to hunker down. We need to wait. And we need to, you know, be still and completely isolate ourselves from everybody. And then another set will say, hey, you know, just have faith. We don't need to change anything. Like God is fine. He's in control. And there's kind of these maybe two extremes. And, and just like at this time, there were different extremes in thinking about food sacrifice to idols and uncleanliness laws as well. 
as different types of understanding of how we go about now living the gospel in the midst of these types of settings. For us, it's no different, just different ways, maybe different customs. But in our diverse church right now, we have a lot of different um, ideas of, of how we should be handling this. Some say you're, you're, we're walking in fear by not doing certain things. And I would say this, although you may have freedom, especially if you're a young person right now and thinking, you know what, if I get sick, statistically, I'm going to be fine. You've got the freedom for sure. You can act out in faith and believe in that and, and go about your way and exercise that freedom. And that's not necessarily bad. You've got great faith. But in this time, what we're encouraging is what's the best is love is greater than fear. Love is more important than fear. Not necessarily even faith, although faith is greater, but love is greater than fear. And secondly, love is greater than freedom. Paul here in these verses says this, it's great, even if you're right, that you have these freedoms and you can sacrifice the idols, you know those idols, that's nothing, God's in control. Um, or you're on the other end going, that's unclean, saying no, that's nothing anymore. God has made it clean now certain foods because of the gospel. And the implications of what Christ has done has changed our philosophies and religion, but he says not everybody can walk in that. But he says, it's okay, live in your conviction, but at the end of the day, what's greater than your freedom is love. And if your brother is stumbling by your actions, even though you might be free to do it, it would be better to sacrifice your freedoms and your own um, situation and preferences in order to love him or her in that moment. Because the greatest law is love. And in a day where we're trying to figure out what to do and navigate all these circumstances, I think it's best right now to operate in love. Again, you might be fine going around doing whatever, but I, I think of um, some of the older people in our congregation that I have a picture of that maybe I'll be fine in the midst of like the terrors of the night, all these kind of things. Of course we have faith. I believe I'm not going to be sick. I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, I don't want to, in the name of my freedom and my conviction, ultimately not walk in love if somebody else could maybe get this. And, and that's not a fear stance or a lack of faith. I think it is truly walking in love. Now, if we continue this for six months, a year, at some point it does fall into the extreme of isolation and I'm so afraid to even do anything. I would, like C.S. Lewis, say this. Continue about your work, your days. I know many of our businesses and jobs are helping us be able to be mobile and stay home. Honor that. I, I would say honor, love your neighbor, as Paul says. And your neighbor was different than your brother, your Christian brother. Your neighbor was the outsider, the person that doesn't know God. The best way we can love them is by maybe talking to them and saying, hey, what do you need? How can we serve you? But also maybe in social distancing. And not operating in a different kind of fear. I think right now in this time, there's kind of these two fears. There's this fear of being somebody that's panicked and freaking out and buying all the toilet paper and all those kind of things that we're seeing everywhere. Yeah, and there's that panic and hoarding and being so afraid to touch anybody or somebody coughs and, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, there's that panic and fear that is one extreme. But I think another extreme is the people that are saying, hey, I'm fine, it's no big deal, I'm gonna do my thing, I'm gonna exercise my freedom. And maybe think about this, 
Maybe you're afraid to be still. Maybe right now, the frenetic, crazy pace of life that's kept you working and going and doing and boom, and the idea of having to sit back, be in your home, be still, is actually causing fear and anxiety in you. And I think all of us can feel that, especially in Western civilization, because we're so busy, we're, we're going, going, going. Why don't we look at this as an opportunity? If you can't go out and we can't do a lot of different things yet, maybe it's an opportunity that God's given us to slow down. As Psalm 23, 2, our good shepherd, the sheep says to the shepherd, you make me lie down in green pastures. And sometimes our good shepherd forces, even in the midst of chaos, forces us to slow down, to sit, to think, and to allow us time to reflect. And let me tell you, actually hear God. Weekly at my house, on Monday nights, we'll gather around the table, me and my kids, and we'll talk. And we'll have kind of a family session. We'll get out Trello and we'll plan the week because we've got teenagers and we've got an eight-year-old. We've got all these things going on. We'll sit down and we start this whole meeting, literally getting a clock out and for 60 seconds, just be in silence. And the hard part about being still is it takes some faith. It takes faith that if I'm not moving or talking or planning, God is still in control and God is moving. And what's amazing is as we take this time weekly, we're all extroverts. We're all loud in our house, but taking this time, it's almost like 10 seconds go by, 20 seconds go by. The stillness and the quiet gets so loud but as other things start to drop, we start to hear the voice of the Lord. And maybe in this time, it is a good time to separate yourself from your frenetic pace as much as you can from your work, calling ourselves, I will be. I will be once I get this. I will be once I achieve this. I will be once I plan this. Once I get to the end of this, I will be. And God says, no, I am. And when we're with him in the present, in the stillness, in the slowing down, we hear him. We become refreshed by him. And we don't have to be afraid of what he's going to speak into us because he wants us to be, to be with him to be refreshed and to start walking then back at a pace as a refreshed people that is going into our community and into our workplace, ready as people knowing their identity, as people ready to battle the enemy. I'll say this, one thing we all have in common, no matter what extreme you find yourself in, one thing we all have in common, is that we all hate this virus. It has been apparent that something has come in and disrupted our life that is invisible, and yet things like this are around all the time. But the, the awareness of it now and the understanding of how intense it is is a good revelation to us to remind us that one day 
there will be no viruses. One day there will be no fear. One day there will be no tears, Jesus says. One day, and we, th this makes us long for that day. The thing we hate about evil that is exposed is that it reminds us that life shouldn't be this way. And yet it is, but our hope is that one day God is gonna ultimately deliver us from the very presence of sin. And right now, this day, he's calling us to pray for breakthrough from the very power of this sin. And that's our prayer. Our hope is in Jesus and what he can do now, but also it makes us long for that day when his kingdom will fully come like a thief in the night quickly. What a great reminder for us to get our mind on heavenly things, not just on earthly things that will fade with time. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, God. That, God, we can navigate personalities, philosophies, but God, let us navigate it with love and remembrance of how you suffered for us and how you endured for us and how even for that moment, God, you would allow the suffering and the beatings of sin and evil to come on you so that we could experience freedom fully. Lord, you allowed to invade your life and then you resurrected to destroy God the very power of sin in our life today God I pray we will not be afraid to be still and watch you work we will not be afraid to be in the silence while we don't work a little bit God so that we can trust that you are bringing your kingdom God open hearts open minds to you and our hope ultimately is in you, what you've done, and one day what you will finish completely, God. We thank you for that. Let us be a people, Lord, full of power, of love, and a sound mind at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're so glad that you joined us and getting in the scripture together with us. We're gonna to continue to communicate with you as we get updates and, and what's going on um, in our staff. We have issued, we're gonna have prayer tonight and we're working on that. We'll get you communication on that as well as a link to this video in case you wanna share it um, or if you're watching this after the Facebook Live. Um, for us, we wanna to pray tonight. We'll be praying at 6 p.m. together. Um, the following consecutive nights, it'll be 7 p.m. We've got other ways that we're gonna be communicating with you and looking to try to help as we um, listen to the city and try to do what we can to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Thank you again. Uh, today is considered and was issued by our president a national day of prayer. So we want you to continue to be in prayer. Think about those, even if you're not experiencing anything besides frustration with what's going on, um, or maybe your bank account, we understand that. We wanna pray for people. We wanna pray for our doctors, our nurses, um, all of those in the medical profession. We're here with you, we love you, and we wanna keep encouraging you as you're going out. And we wanna help and join you um, when it's time. Um, in the meantime, we trust what God's doing in prayer. Thank you so much for your time. I wanna close this as we do every week with the priestly prayer. It goes like this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and may he lift his countenance on you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.